Lights, action, performance. It's time to showcase yourself with us. It's the Entertainment Biz Podcast. So joining us on the podcast today is Rosie Turner, musician and vocalist. Hello. Hello. How are we? Yeah, good. Thank you. Bev's here as well today on this podcast. So tell us about you. Lockdown. How have you coped? Lockdown. Um... The initial start of lockdown, I think with all musicians, there was the panic of suddenly losing nine months worth of work out of your diary. Um, I certainly went from a fully booked year to nothing, literally overnight. Um, But I've had to put a positive spin on the lockdown because through this last year, I've been able to do things that I have never been able to do for Example, I've started a YouTube channel. Um, I've learned how to do video editing. I've got my music production skills up to par. Um, so it's been okay. It's been creative um, because I think it's had to be because if not, you're just, I think all of us would have just lost our minds. Um, but it's been great to support my other performer friends and family um, and help them with projects and video stuff. So all in all, apart from being pretty lonely, it's actually been all right. So what are you looking forward to? What's the one thing you're looking forward to going back to doing? I cannot wait to just go out and do a live gig. I can't wait to be in a room with people having a great time, partying hard, with their friends and family, having the best night ever, and just just being part of it. I think that's what we've all missed, um, just the performance. And you kind of, it's weird because we all have an alter ego when we sing and perform and a different character comes out and we've all lost that person. Um, so that I think that's what I'm, I want to meet Rosie again. I want to meet the vocalist who shouts and screams at everyone's faces and gets everyone dancing because I've missed her. (laughs) That sounds really interesting, doesn't it? It, I I completely agree with what you said there. We kind of have lost certain parts of ourselves because we're living in a different world, aren't we? So April, maybe, possibly, you can get outside in a pub or a bar or a function area. might be a little bit chilly, but hey-ho, you can't be fussy. And then in May, it's all systems go, isn't it? Middle of May, hopefully, fingers crossed, to be able to sort that kind of thing out from then on. So there's a little bit of hope with the situation now, isn't there? There definitely is. And I think after the announcement that Boris did recently, the the outcry of joy from every musician, entertainer, events person um, was just great to see because everybody was like, finally, even if nothing happens really for us until the 21st of June, knowing that that date is in the diary and that I can now say to my clients, right, all systems, full show, everything from this day onwards. Um, mm-hmm. it, will, it will just be even that, even though that's still a good few months away at the minute, it still feels like it could be next week and everything starts up again. All the emails are starting. Everything that's moved from last year is now moving to after the 21st of June so that it can happen. So it's uh, it's a welcome. I think it's going to be a, a busy summer and autumn and winter and no, none of us will be ever in. We'll be just be doing all that kind of stuff when we'll be out having fun and enjoying ourselves. Where did it start for you with the whole singing and performing well, I've always done it. I come from a musical family, so um, my it comes from my uh, my mum's side. So um, all the way back to my great grandmother, she was a singer. My granddad was a singer. My mum was an opera singer. Um, she trained at Glyndebourne when she was twelve, um, and then unfortunately, when she had me and my brother, she stopped singing. Um, but I think my parents realised I could sing when I was about six. I remember singing "Crazy" by Patsy Cline to my mum's singing teacher. 
And uh, he's told my mum to leave my voice alone. He said, you can either train her, push her into opera or just leave her because she's got a natural ability. So I've always done stuff, like always been in theatre shows and my dad acted as well. So even like the amateur stuff we did when we were kids, my dad was always the pantomime dame. My mum was a singing fairy. Me and my brother were villagers. Um, so it's I've always done it. And then I took a break when I left school. I did the usual thing, became a hairdresser, um, went into, as you do when you're 16, and then you, you, you go off and have a job. And then later on in life, in my early 20s, I went to music college at the ACM in Guildford and have never stopped singing since. I think it took going to college to think, actually, I could actually, I think I'm all right at this and I could, I could do it, whereas singing had always been just a hobby or something like dramatic to do on the stage. Um, and then I've just never never looked back and I quit my nine to five four years ago and that was it I've sung every every day ever since so what does music bring to you then it, it, and this might sound a bit dramatic but it is literally everything um I as some people would have a stressful week and then they'd go and have a round of golf or do exercise I feel the same with singing it's something I have to get out of my body as weird as that sounds and if I if I don't do it it affects everything it affects your mood um how I am and I just I, I just love it I can't I can't and if if me singing I always say as people say to me all the time oh you should be famous. You should have a record deal. You should do this. You should do that. And I'm like, you know what? If I do a gig and one person says to me afterwards, I've had a really good time. I'm done. I don't need any more than that because I think you lose touch for me with what music is. It's not about a record deal, being famous. I had a dabble in that world a few years ago and was like, do you know what? This was a great experience, but this isn't for me. It's not, it's not as fun. Like you've got to love it. Cause if, if if I ever woke up and thought, oh, I've got to do a gig today, then I've lost everything because it becomes a job and it, I will never let music do that. Is that why you say it's not for you? Because then it would just become a job or were there other reasons? Um, well, I was um, I did the voice back in uh, 2015 um, and was part of team Will I Am. Um, and although it was a great experience, being into the world where you're being told what to wear, you're having your hair and makeup done without any choice, your songs are chosen for you, you're, everything's choreographed that you're doing. I was like, there's no natural, where's the, where's the natural? I feel like I can't let go and have a really good time because I'm thinking, oh, I've got to move to this camera and, oh, I've got to, I've got to do this and I've got to be stage ready for 18 hours a day. And, um, and you so just you think, couldn't- you couldn't just be a free spirit then and say, I can imagine when I am, you would have to sing certain songs because they're trying to show your voice, showcase your voice. But yeah, um, pointing to hear that you can't actually be a free spirit and let your nature out. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, it's better. It's better in the, the like the blind audition stages. Um, but once then, once you get absorbed into the show, um, it's a different ball game. Um, but it's you get it you get some form of choice and I sometimes wish now that I'd said I don't want to sing this but at the time it was like oh, I'm just really can't believe I'm actually here I've had so many auditions to get to the chairs it's every time I went every week I'd be like well oh, see you then I won't see you ever again and then it was like can you come to Manchester and we're going, you're actually going to get a blind audition and I was like oh um but it's it's just weird it's just a world that you think of people 
who are famous and artists, you know, like at the time Rita Ora was on there and she had people on her all the time doing her hair and makeup. And you just think, oh, have a break. <laughs> like, just do what you, be you, do what you want to do. Don't be on all the time. Like Will was really nice, really, very down to earth, really honest. Um, he took us all out after we did the blind auditions in London. They closed the club for us and, um, and they, they put all of our blind auditions on a big screen and said, because obviously none of us had met and they said, Oh, you're going to see your auditions for the first time, like unedited. Cause then tomorrow we'll put you in your battle partner. So it's all done for some like psyche to get you thinking, Oh, I don't want to be with them. And oh, they're amazing. And, um, how it's all done. But he, he sat us down and said, you know, if you think that a TV show is your ticket into the music industry, he was like, it's not. He was like, you need to gig. He was like, you need to sing to one man and his dog. You need to you need to sing in every pub and venue and work your way up and build your stripes. He was like, you need to write your own music and take it really seriously. And I think a few people were quite shocked because there is this YouTube generation of if I make a video and it's successful on YouTube, then that means I've done it. But if you were to put that person in a venue in front of a live audience they can't do it because they don't have the skills. So it was, it was refreshing to hear him be so brutally honest with everybody. Um, and he was really nice, like a really nice guy, he hung out with my family and um, my auntie made him a goodie bag of all my stuff. Um, being from the sea, he had sticks of rock made with Ros rocks and some pants and a socks. And he wore all of it on the show and um, says he's still got it. So, which I don't know if I believe, but um, did you want a bit? Did you want to go with Will? Um, I would have. Yeah. I mean, Will turned on my literally last second of breath. Um, and there was a point in the song where um, the vocal coaches that you work with behind the scenes had said when the, they were like, the coaches will turn when they do, they'll go at this point. And they didn't. And as soon as I'd got past that, I was like, yes. Okay, because all of a sudden it was like, right, this isn't happening, so I can now have a good time. Um, and there was a, I remember there was, I went against everything I was told. I forgot about the cameras. I forgot where to move. <laughs> and there was a guy at the front of the audience that was dancing like mad. And I just literally walked over to him and sang the rest of the song directly at him. Um, and Will went. So when I did it, it was Ricky, Tom, Tom, Rita Ora, um, and... Um, obviously will oh, that's that moment there <laughs> um, and it was yeah it was a, a, a very surreal experience like it, when because the coaches talked to you afterwards and Tom was like um, who are you to me and I was like oh I'm Rosie yeah. from, from Guildford <laughs> like this is really weird I can't breathe I've just sung 100 miles an hour like it's hot it's 12 o'clock at night um, but it was great like in that sense it was it was do you recommend it to any singers? Um, do you want the truth or the or yeah the yeah yeah? yeah cool. um, I no, I wouldn't recommend it because it's I I don't think you can really learn this craft without just going out and doing it. Um, it's not. I think because of shows like X Factor and stuff, it gives off a different impression of what will happen afterwards, um, and. The mental health side of it, I mean, I was I came out unscathed, but some of the guys in my team that went all the way through to the live finals, it affected them for about three years afterwards. Um, and this is what people, the, the ugly side of things like this that people don't see, um, how you can 
be absorbed into a world and be it. I mean, I was scouted for the show in April and I auditioned through to October and my blind audition was filmed mid-October and the battle was filmed in late November and it wasn't shown until March. So you have this whole 12 months of being at the beck and call of producers and you have to, I was in and out of London up to Manchester all the time. Um, and it's just, I don't know, for me, I wouldn't say to somebody do it because I would actually worry about younger people. I mean, I did it older in life. I mean, I'm 40 now, but I, um, I was 34 when we did the voice and even as that old and with that much experience, I still not struggled with it, but I was like, I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about this. It's um, like that 15, it's a 15 seconds of fame and the program needs you. So they nurture you, support you. Um, are you okay? All of that kind of stuff. And you're not prepared for it. So going back to what Will I Am said was um, you go from the ground up, sing to one man on his dog, because that's how you learn your craft and that's how you learn to become resilient. And like, yeah. and also the 15 seconds or 15 minutes of fame, um, people just think that is it. And then you go, dropped, gone. Yeah. And that's the emotional trauma that goes and inside it's, it. It's also the social media aspect of it as well. I mean, it's it's awful, The like the comments and the trolling. And I remember the they put you through social media training while you're there um, because they go all through your Facebook and your Twitter and they, they look, they sort of pre-cleanse everything before you're on the show, ask you to remove certain pictures um, or anything anything that could show that you, you've had a drink or you've had a party, they ask you to take it down. Um, but they don't really support you in the backlash that you get after it. I mean, again, I came out unscathed, to be fair. Somebody, somebody tried to start a conversation on Twitter about my hair, and, um, but that was kind of the worst it got for me. But some of the other co- comments, the girl Brooklyn that I, ba- that I battled, she was only 19 at the time and very – naive and was a YouTube sensation, but she became like my little sister during the show. And I took her under my wing. And when we did the battle, I said to her, Brooke, I know what's going to happen. So I'd want to support you to get to the next stage. So let's put on a great show for two minutes and not be two cats screaming at each other. That's going to live on YouTube forever. But the comments that people made about her on YouTube was just awful. And you wonder how that affects somebody already who is young and impressionable and although she is more from that era than I am I don't know it's it's the whole social media thing is a different different world well let's move away from yeah the voice so weird, yeah <laughs> but the best thing I will say the best thing about the voice ever was having a full makeover by the ladies that do strictly so that was the best thing ever to sit in a chair and have I had hair extensions in and a full face and uh, the the costume ladies made my jumpsuit. Um, They took us into ASOS, said, you pick anything you want. Um, And it was all custom designed and I got to keep everything. And so that was the high point. I always say that because you see the women on Strictly and you think, my God, they look insane. So to have that experience of being made to look like that, I was like, yeah. That was cool. Good old television, eh? Good old television. Yeah. We can do wonders with the makeup and everything. It's amazing. Like. And you think, how do they do it so quick? That's because there's 12 people getting you ready. You don't realise how quick it is. You just sat in a chair and told not to move, and it just happens in like 20 minutes. 
Well, I've been backstage of uh, Eurovision many a time, and I've seen like all the divas there going, "Oh my makeup! Oh my god, I can't do this!" All that kind of stuff. So I, I know a little bit of the insight into it and all that kind of stuff. Um, so moving on then, uh, from where are you with your music now? Then, so I well, where am I now? So I, I suppose over the last twelve months, obviously, I've been concentrating on building a YouTube channel, um, and which I've actually really enjoyed. It's, it's been really good fun. Um, and then prior to that, I was working as a, a vocalist on the ships, doing a one-woman rock show. Um, I did a showcase at the beginning of last year, just before lockdown, and um, now working with a couple of new agents. Um, so hoping that towards sort of this year, when things can start going again that's where we'll that's where we'll go so it's uh i'm not i don't do original stuff anymore um i used to back in the days of the of acm and when i was in my originals band um but i just i just like singing other people's stuff and putting different spins on it and i love singing guy songs when i did the showcase i sang um because it was a full rock set so i sang led zeppelin because i was like someone needs to sing for the guys you know like everyone comes out and does Whitney Houston or, you know, Celine Dion, who are phenomenal. But I was like, who sings to the dads? No one. And I love Led, Led Zeppelin, Rod Stewart. Paul Rogers is my idol. So I was like, I want to sing for the guys. And all the tech guys were like, oh, my God, this girl's singing Led Zeppelin. And that's what they remembered me for. So I was like, yeah, it's nice to, nice yeah, to do I was, that. It, it's, um, I was about to ask you about that. What is your style of singing? So it's not solely and soulful. It's more rocky. Yeah. Well, I do like um, soul and blues um, and the, like the rock stuff, but I'm influenced by people like Rod Stewart. I mean, I grew up listening to Alison Moye, um, Patsy Cline, Bette Midler, Shirley Bassey, the Carpenters. Me and my brother know every word to every Carpenter song ever written. Um, and even now, like it's our family, family favorite. Um, but I just love older music from 60s, 70s. I, I just, it, it, and especially Paul Rogers, there's something about his music that literally sets my blood on fire. Like I, I got to meet him a few years ago and I couldn't speak. I had to curtsy. <laughs> <laughs> I called him Mr. Paul Rogers, sir, and all my friends laughed at me. So it's really embarrassing. A little bit of a fangirl moment. Really bad, yeah. And I didn't expect it, but he was at the Royal Albert Hall. We went to his dressing room afterwards, and he was sitting in a corner reading a book that someone had given him after the concert. But as we walked in, it wasn't just him. Um, Queen were in there. So Brian May, Roger Taylor, um, Jimmy Page was there, um, Gary Moore, because Gary Moore was playing guitar for Paul in the band. So, and I went with my with my band, so we walked in, and all of us were just like, "Nobody say a word, just stand here." So we all just stood there, like, "What do you do? What do you do?" Um, but at night, I'll never forget. And he gave us really good advice at the time, and said, "You know, he's never made a penny from free because he signed all his rights away when he was fifteen, so he didn't know." So he told us, do this, don't do that. We sent him some of our music. Um, he gave me his email address. I kept in contact with him. So it's... Wow. Okay. It's, so you get advice from one of your idols. What what words do this and do that? What are a couple of tips? Um, well, he said, be very, be very wary of record deals. He said, they are just a bank loan. He said, it's, you have to pay that money back. Um, you know, if the rec people say it's a million pound record deal, they're giving you a million pounds to create a record. 
and you have to return that money in one way, sales or personally. Um, he said about our songwriting rights to not sign them to a publisher, um, which at the time we were in the midst of that. We were doing show, showcases with Sony. We were, were going about to release a single and all of a sudden we were like, okay, we're, we're literally about to give everything away. So we wouldn't, if anything had happened with our single, we wouldn't have, we would have got a performance fee for it. And So that's kind of like serendipity, isn't it? It's right person, right time, right idol. You're going to listen yeah. to what they say. And he's been through what you were about to do yourselves. Yeah. And he was so just normal, just to sit and listen to somebody tell you, you think you, you see these artists and the people that you aspire to be like, I wanted to be Alanis Morissette. As soon as I was 12 and got the Jagged Little Pill album, I was like, I want to be in a band. This is what I want. And I want to be like this. And you, you never think of what happens behind the scenes when someone is an idol of yours, you just see them and you want to be them. And you, and it's not until you have a one-on-one with someone and you think, my God, you're just a normal person. But what you're saying is completely right. And just none of us have ever forgotten it. I mean, that was probably back now in like 2006, but we all still, me and the boys are still together um, in a function band in the tricks. Um, But it's something we'll never forget. And none of us have ever made any of those mistakes with our original music. That's that's a wonderful piece of advice that you're now giving to anybody else who's going to be listening to this podcast to start with, that you got upline from somebody else that you um, respected. And now, like you've just been saying, for the last year at least, that's all we've talked about particularly, apart from the voice, (laughs) where um, you are in charge of your own creative destiny and financial future. Yeah. Whatever that may look like. Yeah, and it's... You know, and also it's nice to be able to help other people because of the because of the the, the sort of the YouTube music generation now. Um, you know, I've got friends who uh, one of my closest friends, Jen, who we all call Mini Me. Um, she's a lot younger than me. She's a graduate from Lane. She's a phenomenal pop singer, but she has people contacting her all the time saying, "Jen, can you sing a top line for me on this dance track?" And I actually saw her recently and said are you being paid for this, Jen? Have you done a contract with these people? Because because she wants to do it. She's just giving it for free. And I said, so what happens when this gets released? She's like, oh, I haven't said anything. Because this information isn't readily available. People want to help and do stuff for experience. But I was like, Jen, you need to put something in writing with these guys because you're writing this melody, you're recording it, and you're giving it to them for free. <laughs> I was like, there's something wrong with this picture. Um, so I'm helping her to you know, to be, you know, get the recognition she deserves because she's phenomenal. So then I'm going to ask you a question. What's your one song that you go to? My one song that I go to? Yeah, Um, if you have to to sing it. It would be either, well, if they would, I'd say there'd be two. My top two that I would, would pop into my head. So my first one, hands down, is All Right Now by Free. That's what I'm known for. And second, the other one would be What's Up by the Four Non Blondes. Why those songs then? Give us a little bit more detail. Um, What's Up is because it has been my anthem um, on my musical journey. So it's it's got very poignant memories for me. So years ago, I won a UK-wide um, talent competition called um, Fame Finder. And I actually beat Leona Lewis randomly, funnily enough. Um, and uh, all right, uh, "What's Up" was the song I sang in the final. So all of my friends were there. So it's 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 like my anthem that I'm known for. 
but and I love the song. I just and especially now in these days, it's really current again. The, the lyrics make sense, um, and it's the last. And every time I've done a big show, I, it's always my encore. And it's it's just a song. It's great. Everyone has their arms in the air and the lights on and. Everyone sings along because everyone knows it. So it's that one. And I mean, all right now, just because of my, my love for Paul Rogers and how I wish I was his daughter. <laughs> I always say that and I think, oh, my poor dad. <laughs> and that's all, that just sounds really, really good. I love the sound of that. It's really good. We only spoke briefly about the sort of gigs that you used to do before lockdown. Um, whereabouts would you perform generally? In theatres or...? Yeah, or... so now, I say nowadays, um, I a lot of everything I do is private. So it will be corporate functions, events, weddings. Um, that's my main industry now in, in more the event side. Um, I very rarely do pubs anymore, but I will never not do them because that's where it all begins. So it's it's like never forget where you've come from um, and always do them. So Brian and I um, would do acoustic gigs in Fleet together quite often. Um, well, whereabouts in Fleet? Um, the, oh, God, I can't remember what's called now, the canteen. Yeah, propaganda. Propaganda, that's it, yeah. Um, so we would do that because on a Thursday night they um, they did an acoustic night. So Brian and I would be there. It was about every every eight weeks. Um, and it was just, I was like, we'll do this just because it's good fun. Like it's and, it, and when you're in the wedding and corporate events industry, you know, there's a lot of money involved and a lot of production and a lot of pressure because you're aware. And especially at somebody's wedding, you're like, they're going to remember this forever. Like this is a really big day. So you, you put pressure on yourself. But when you can go back to the pub world, you can actually just sit back and sing out and have a really nice time because there's no pressure because you know you're good at what you do. So it's, it's a different it's, kind of vibe. Isn't yeah. It? And it's something I'll never forget. And I think especially now coming out of lockdown, I can't wait to sing in a pub again. That's my first my first thing. Like I want to go back and reconnect with that straight away. Like the weddings and stuff will always happen, but pub gigs will be will be the blessing I think for all of us and what's this other thing you were telling us about a little bit before yeah so um made my night is um a concept that I began nearly four years ago now um where I got a group of my friends together um who are all professional singers um a lot of them are from the west end and a couple of DJs and uh we one night we went to a, a a girl who'd seen me singing was asking if I would come and sing at her wedding. So I said, well, look, do you need a DJ, blah, blah, blah. So my DJ went along and there was three of us singing, but we arrived dressed as guests. So um, her friends, we just said, we'll just tell people that I went to school with you if anyone asks how I know you. Um, and we had our microphones hidden in our pockets. And, um, and then all of our tracks are mixed into the main mix of the night. So we get the thumbs up from the DJ when he's going to say, start like I sing tainted love, the Imelda May rock and roll version. So he'll, he'll fire that. I listen out for it. And then I'll run in and jump up on a table and sing. And everyone's like, Oh my God, there's a singer because they think that the night is just a DJ. 
but then this will happen um, like an hour or so into the start of the party. Once everyone's had a couple of drinks and has said hello to everyone and has settled and are ready to have a good time. But then we don't leave the dance floor. So we all sing sporadically through the night um, with the DJ. And just by the end of the night, we know everybody. Everyone's become our best mates. We get everyone doing the Proud Mary dance as the last song. Um, we have confetti cannons going off and, and all sorts. But I think we we create a safe environment for people to lose their inhibitions is what I like to to, to call it. And um, I called it Made My Night because that's what people would tell say to me afterwards. So I think that that sounds absolutely brilliant. That's exactly what we need on June the 21st or yeah. the 22nd or the 23rd or the 24th or the every single night between now and eternity. We need something like that. So you're yeah. exhausted. I hope so. I hope so. Well, we did, um, we did a few lives over the lockdown, um, mm. just for fun. We did a fundraiser for the NHS. Um, and we just did it in a street, a friend, one of our DJs has a barn. So we set up a fake nightclub. Um, and it was all socially distanced. We all had our marks and we went on Facebook live for like three hours and raised, I think we raised about 1400 pounds for the NHS, but we just jumped on and we had a host. One of the guys is a very good presenter. So it, it was like a live radio show. People were, were messaging in requests and shout outs and song requests and we were doing and singing them. Um, and it was really good fun. And we have stepped into the virtual world cause we've had to. Um, so we did a, we did a corporate event recently um, from a streaming studio in Northampton. And it was great to have the team back together again. Um, in a weird world, because everybody was COVID tested with the rapid test as soon as they arrived. No one was allowed in without a negative test. And But even that, the ability to to just be with the, the family again and just reconnect with ourselves, it was wonderful. Aren't we, aren't we missing that human connection with people that we want to be? So the ability to be able to do that with negative instant testing is yeah. fantastic. And that's what we're just all so craving, aren't we? And the funny, I said to all of the boys, so once we all had our negative tests and then we went through into the studio, I was like, so where do we stand with hugging? Because this is going to happen, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, at some point in the night, I'm going to hug you because I'm so elated to see you and just to be with you. And as I say, to, to reconnect and do what we do again. Um, it was one like a wonderful night. So if anyone wants to get hold of you and uh, what you do, <laughs> your whole venture, basically, because it yeah. sounds amazing what you do. Um, how do they get hold of you? So you can either get me on Facebook. So my music channel is just Rosie Turner Music. Um, it's the same on Instagram and um, the Made My Night website is just mademynight.co.uk. And there's also a Made My Night UK Facebook page. Well, it's been lovely to spend some time with you on this podcast. I know Bev's enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. And hopefully our audience has enjoyed it as well. So thank you, Rosie. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thanks for listening. We very much hope you've been entertained. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page at Entertainment UK. You'll find all our podcasts at buzzpodcast.co.uk.